the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Please sit. The prayer book that we use was published in 1979, which means that many of you grew up on the language of the prayer book that came before that, which was the 1928. Some of you are smiling, that's good. You're gonna know what I'm talking about. In the 1928 prayer book, before communion, the priest said something called the comfortable words. And it happened pretty much every week, just before communion, the priest would say this, hear what comfortable words our Savior Christ saith unto all who truly turn to him. Come to me, all ye that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to, to the end that all that believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now usually the priest would go sort of clipping through that, so you probably didn't really think about it, but think about it now. Those are comfortable words. It's comforting, isn't it? Sort of reassuring of our faith. It's good news. Two pieces of scripture. One that says God so loves us that God sends Jesus to us, and the other in which Jesus says, come to me. I will refresh you. I will care for you. I will love you. I will carry your burdens. It's comforting. It's a good place to be before we go up to receive bread and wine, especially if we're feeling like we really needed absolution that week, like there was something we got wrong. It's comforting to be reminded how much God loves us. So if those are the comfortable words, what we have in the gospel and in the, and in the epistle this morning are the uncomfortable words. Jesus is really giving us something difficult to think about this morning, and so is St. Paul. And, and it's kind of uncomfortable, if we're honest. In the gospel story, there are two people that Jesus calls to follow him, and they have two seemingly normal human hesitations, right? Pretty realistic hesitations, I think. One wants to go bury his father before he follows Jesus, and the other wants to go say goodbye to everyone at home before he goes and follows Jesus. Those are two very normal human things to do, meaningful human interactions, and Jesus says something that is callous at best. No one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is worthy of the kingdom of God. No one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is worthy of the kingdom of God. Okay. Great. Paul makes it a little worse. Paul gives us two lists in the piece that we have from the letter to the Galatians today. And Paul's letter to the Galatians is all about freedom. It's all about the fact that when we know Jesus and we believe in Jesus, we get set free from all the things that bind us down. Free from fear, free from hate, free from worrying about what happens to us after this life. Freedom, in, in the purest sense of the word. And so what Paul is saying is that if we believe in Jesus and we are really set free, we are going to want to choose those things that are of the Spirit. So that's the good list, the love and peace and joy and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control, that list that Paul gives you. The idea is that if we believe in Jesus and we want to be part of the story, we're going to be sort of sucked up into living that way and doing those things. But it comes naturally to those of us who know Jesus. And then, of course, there's the list that comes before that, which is super fun to read, isn't it, Jean? 
super fun. It's a much longer list, first of all. And Paul's language is really harsh. He's, I mean, he's made this incredible list, which I'm going to let you, on your own time, do your own inventory of that list. But I will say right now that all of us do some of those things. All of us. Because anger and quarrels and dissension and faction, that is something that every single one of us knows something about. And again, I'm going to let you do the rest of the inventory by yourself. And Paul, too, gives us some uncomfortable words after this. Basically saying anyone who does any of those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Jesus and Paul both saying, if you don't sort of do what we're telling you to do, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Definitely uncomfortable words. Now, for those of you that are here pretty regularly, who listen to me fairly regularly, you know that I really love to talk about God's overwhelming grace. And the fact that when we fall down, there is always forgiveness, and God always sort of scoops us up and tries to fix it. It's sort of like in the story of the prodigal son, when the son comes home and, and the father goes running out, it doesn't matter how long it's been for us, it doesn't matter what we've done, or how long it's been since we came home, or what we think we did to push God away, God is always going to run down the road and scoop us up and try to make us whole again. And that's true. I say that all the time because I believe it's true, because scripture tells us it's true, because there's evidence in our tradition that whenever we fall down, if we ask for forgiveness, if we accept forgiveness, there is plenty around us. And that piece is important. We have to kind of hold that in balance with the uncomfortable words we're getting from Jesus and Paul. But what they want from us this morning is a particular kind of response. And if we look at the responses of those two people in the gospel, it's clear that what, what Jesus and Paul don't want is a mediocre, lukewarm, half yes. Uh, yes, Jesus, I will do what you're asking me to do, but first I'm going to go do something else. Or, yes, Jesus, uh, sure, I'm okay with this part over here. I'm not okay with that part, so just pretend that you don't see the fact that I'm not doing all of this. What Jesus wants is yes, no excuses, no hesitations, no strings, just yes. What Jesus wants is for us to put our relationship with him first. What he wants ultimately is devotion. And devotion is a little hard, and it doesn't come overnight. It's just like any other relationship. We have to sort of keep choosing it, and when we do make mistakes and do things on that list of Paul's, we have to sort of find our way back and choose again to be in relationship and to be devoted. And sometimes that hurts a little bit. I often in the morning when I'm driving around Wilton, and I, I'm sure you have the experience too, the trees sort of shade you early in the morning from the sun. And so you'll come around the trees, and all of a sudden the sun pops out. It's been out for a while, but you haven't been able to see it. And you know that feeling when your eyes sort of sting a bit because they have to adjust to the light? It doesn't happen very, very long, right? It doesn't go on for like 10 minutes. It's very quick, but it hurts a little bit. That's sort of like the response that Jesus wants from us. It's the willingness to put down the things that distract us, 
the things that sometimes it hurts to put down. Now, I don't mean that every time we follow God, there's going to be something painful, because that's not true. There are times when we do what God wants us to do, and it is joyful and hopeful and wonderful. And there are many, many saints who will tell you that if you take discipleship seriously, and if you're willing to do something useful with your following of Jesus, then there will be times when you have to make difficult, painful choices. You sort of bear the brunt of that as you put the following first. It doesn't come without a little bit of that sting as our eyes adjust to the light. But like the sunrise, you can't see the pretty colors, you can't see the pink and the blue and the beauty that God created until your eyes have adjusted, until you've cleared your vision, until you've had just a little bit of that sting that then lets you take everything else in. And that's sort of what Paul is after. That real freedom comes from making these choices, choosing to live in the spirit instead of the flesh. The other piece of this gospel that's really important is the look back part. No one who puts their hands on the plow and looks back, Jesus says. Now that harvest sort of metaphor would have worked really well for the crew that Jesus was talking to, they would have understood that their whole livelihood, frankly, depended on nice, straight, even, neat lines, on a good and healthy harvest. And for us, we might use different tools. We've been given different gifts. We have different ways that we contribute to the, the growth of the kingdom and the life of the people around us. And still, the invitation is to not look back. And that can be really hard, too. Now, in Scripture, there are many, many, many stories about people looking back. Looking back is not usually a good thing in Scripture. People look back to their, their own oppression. They look back to a place of danger. They look back sometimes to a place of death. And the prime example is the people of Israel. Moses leads them out at God's behest into the wilderness. They're on their way to the Promised Land, and the road is a little unclear, and they're a little unhappy, and their needs are not being completely met, and they say, why did you bring us out here to die in the desert when we could still be in Egypt? We'd rather die in Egypt than here. And so they look back, because it gets a little hard, a little confusing. And they look with rose-colored glasses at what really wasn't so great, by the way, but it feels safer. And how human is that? How many of us, when we have a good, solid, tangible, we think experience with God, can start down the road with Jesus and then say, oh, wait a minute, I forgot. I have something I left at home that I need to go get. Or yes, Jesus, I'll follow you, but I need to go do some things over here first. A human instinct. And then there's the flip side in Scripture of, of the stories where people look straight ahead. Stories where people use what they have to build something and to follow Jesus, and they look straight ahead and they change the whole world around them. So the invitation this morning is to do two things. To hear the uncomfortable words and to take them in and to figure out how to not look back. And both of those things are hard. And both Jesus and Paul will tell you that that kind of devotion, 
that kind of choosing Jesus over and over again is the only thing that really leads us to peace and freedom. That adjustment that we have to do that might sting a little bit, the reprioritization, the reordering of our lives so that Jesus is first, might hurt a little bit at first. It might hurt from time to time to make those choices. And it is the only way that we get to see the beauty of what God has created. It is the only way that we see the bright colors of hope and joy. It is the only way that we come to know the beauty of healthy relationships and holiness of life. It is the only way that we learn how to really be free in our devotion to Jesus. So I invite you this morning and this week to consider the things that you are looking back for. Consider the things that are dead in your life that you need to let go of and to stop looking back for. What are they? And what are the gifts and the tools that God has given you to build the kingdom that you need to sort of take hold of like a plow and go straight ahead? And follow the Christ who is devoted to you, who proves his love and devotion for you on the cross and asks only that you return it. Because while there is this sort of mercy and forgiveness when we ask for it and accept it, there is also Christ's deep desire to be first for you, as you are first for him. So hear this morning the uncomfortable words. Follow me. And don't look back.